What's up? Welcome to Sweathead with Mark Pollard. I have Jesse White from the glorious northwest of the USA. It's Portland. It's not just Portland, but it's very much Portland. Jesse is an ECD at Instrument, a cool agency up there. She's been there for eight and a half years. She has grown from designer by trade to ECD in title. Instrument is hiring strategists. I'm going to say that. We'll talk about this at the end. I guess that's what they call foreshadowing, uh, a little cliffhanger there. Uh, today, we're going to talk about coaching on the job. How do you help people who do creative work do their work better? And we're also going to talk about strategy from essentially an ECD's point of view and working with strategists. Jesse, welcome. Hello. Thank you. We're going to do three pieces of context little context setting. The first is instrument. What's instrument about? What type of work do you do there? Like the whole company and for whom do you do it? So we specialize in digital brand and digital product clients. And that can be clients such as Path um, who are looking to redefine what an NGO can do. And that's like digital publishing and product together. or clients like Google or ABC. And we recently did a project with them for Google Cloud and the New York Times. And that's leveraging technologies to create AR experiences and look at the New York Times photo archive and see what we can, what's hidden, what stories are hidden in that. Mm -hmm. So we really connect the two. And I know that sounds a little bit like marketing speak, but for me as a designer who's been here for quite a few years, it's really important to that I'm able to affect how the brand comes to life through experiences and then also internally what these what these clients need and how what tools I can provide them mm-hmm. to make sure that the work that we want to do actually gets out into the world. Yeah. So that's a little bit of like, you know, with tools and experiences, if you will. Yeah, totally. I've worked in a few agencies that are kind of siblings to instrument in ethos, in attitude and in design sensibilities. You know, the website talks about thoughtful application of design and technology uh, and instruments part of the society of digital agencies, right? Soda? Yeah. Yes, we are. Yeah. And what, what I found interesting hearing you talk through it, having seen a few agencies try to work out how to explain themselves is it's usually... Like, and I, I would, I don't know instrument that well. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not trying to sell them. I'm not trying to not sell them either. But like, uh, often it's, it's people who've come up with like a really beautiful, sensitive approach to design, really interested in technology, making it easy for people to do things. And then there can be a challenge within the business to work out how to explain it in a way that sounds important and important enough to pay money for that's not just, uh, you know, we, we'll ship this to a country where this stuff can get done cheaper. And so when I hear people explain the type of work that they do, and it sounds a little bit like the way that uh, you're explaining it, I'm like, oh, I totally relate to that journey, right? Does that sound a little bit true? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very fair. Even when I'm talking about it, I am trying to stay away from <laughs> talking about instrument and trying to think about remembering my path and it's taken us a while to get to where we are now and we call ourselves equal parts, a creative agency, an engineering firm and a consultancy. But when we started, 
we were just, not just, not to discredit the work, but we were an engineering firm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's to the credit of the all the people who've come to work here that we've been able to grow the other disciplines mm-hmm. and become very um, strategy focused, if you will, mm-hmm. as a way to move our design teams and our engineering teams and our writing teams forward. Yeah. And that journey is not an easy one because a lot of these beautiful companies, especially in, in Soda, Society of Digital Agencies, you, people can look it up and see the member agencies. They do tend to recruit uh, some of the best agencies in the, in the world, uh, digital agencies. Uh, and, and I'm sure there's a debate around whether the word digital is still relevant and that debate's happened for 10 years too. Uh, but th- that journey is difficult because a lot of these beautiful agencies, they do build themselves around one lead function. And then as client needs change or evolve, get more complex as they seek bigger budgets, bigger relationships, more important relationships. They need to bring in some skill sets. And there's always a risk that that one function doesn't just become two or three, it becomes 10. And a project that might be, I don't know what budgets you all work with, but let's say a, you know, a six-figure a six US dollar project, mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden, instead of like a team of five or six doing it, there's like 10 people representing every discipline and there's like only 100 people in the agency. So 10% of the agency is like working on this particular project uh, and the numbers might be all out of whack. But I've seen these agencies go through some of these challenging times where they, with good intentions, bring lots of different people in, doesn't quite work. And then they have to retreat back to what they're about and then really hold on to it. Does that journey, because you've been there for eight and a half years, does any of that sound true to the journey that you've been on at Instrument? Oh, absolutely. We have definitely evolved inside Instrument. And I say I say evolved because in my brain, there's this image of, oh, I'm not a scientist. I might butcher this, but an amoeba that is, or a cell that is dividing and um, it continues to divide and become smarter and have a purpose. And I think that's what we have gone through a bit. And I I think you have to start anywhere as any company or as any individual. Start where your heart is. Start with the thing that you really enjoy doing. And then someone who is in the business of innovation, which we are, and digital happens to be something that we specialize, though we also do, you know, traditional graphic design, like we love to make things that are more tactile, but I think digital, because we start as an engineering firm, is our foundation. We've been able to adapt pretty quickly to where we want to go. And that's just looking at new technologies and looking at the way that we solve problems. Our medium can change and our medium can shift. And we know that we can keep, and I speak for myself too. This is my own personal philosophy. I know that I can keep looking for new, better tools to get my design or get my ideas out there. Mm -hmm. But along the way, what I've gathered in terms of how I mentally process solutions or what my own creative process is, if you will, that is the thing that I carry through. And and I'm, I'm going back and forth between an agency of multiple people and an individual, which is myself. But I think what I see is the connection of the adaptability between the two. And that is really led by the partnership. There are the partners who started the agency, but that value of 
being curious about better ways to do things and being curious about what new technologies are out there or what new people are out there that we can connect to because really I believe any opportunity comes through a person, a human. Mm-hmm. And then the t- technologies are kind of the fun things to play with. But I think that's what has made us continue to be a place that people want to come to work and why I've stayed here so for so long. Yeah. Quick reaction to this question. Don't overthink it. What's one project that you've enjoyed doing in the past year? Oh, well, I was lucky enough to get to work on some innovation work with the Nike team. And that what we were starting to play in was the space between digital product, so apps, if you will, and physical digital product. <laughs> I, this may be a bad example because I can't speak too much about it. But for me, the sweet spot is when I can tap into my desire to understand how people use things. And that's why I love product design so much. But then the physical part brings it into the real world and gives it kind of a, a gravity or um, a physicality that I don't get to play much with in my usual mm-hmm. work. So that's my that's an area I'm really, really interested in. Um, can you point to anything about Portland and its culture that you think is very much in the way that the people at Instrument think and behave? Interesting question. A lot of Portland's very close to the coast. It's very close to mountains. And then downtown or central kind of Portland proper is pretty small. So I think what I see a lot is people being able to have a balance of their professional creative lives in work and getting paid to do that work and having access to the opposite, (laughs) Mm. having access to nature and having access to space. And I think a lot of the people that come to Portland, a lot of the people that come to Instrument are looking for that balance. So looking for a place that's very connected to the world. And that's what we do in our jobs is we're, we're reaching beyond ourselves or reaching beyond the room we're in to see who is out there and, and what is out there. And then when we leave work, we can go connect with something that's bigger than ourselves. For me personally, that's nature. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that appeals a lot to people that come here. Yeah, it's uh, it's also really important for mental health, according to research. So, yeah, Port Poland's for people who haven't lived there has this interesting allure. It's obviously presented itself to the world as quirky and eccentric, and an an unusual safe haven for for eccentric people. But we have um, a we have an abundance of oxygen. Maybe that's something to do with. <laughs> yes. Here. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then. The journey from designer to ECD, what was that like for you and how is it different? To be honest, it, the flip from designer to ECD was incredibly painful. Mm. <laughs> the path from entry-level designer through senior designer was a lot of growth and a lot of learning and took a bit of grit and tenacity in its own right of just needing to gather the right craft tools. And that's really where I was able to hone in my creative process. And that's just a lot of hours putting in, learning to quickly be able to shift 
ideas and say like, okay, cool. I had, you killed one idea, (laughs) whomever that may be, but I have a thousand more and getting really comfortable with that mindset of iteration. The more difficult shift was to the human or the collaboration process side of that. So when I was no longer responsible for just the work in myself and my own creative process, and I needed to zoom out a little bit and look at my team and how I worked with them and they worked together, I had a really hard time adjusting my own self-worth in that. And so I think the, the mantra or, or the nugget of wisdom that I've kept close that has helped me a lot is thinking about that I'm still a designer and I'm still a very strategic person and I, all the things that I value with adaptability and curiosity and that still is true, but instead of designing pixels, I'm designing people now. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you say that you're still strategic, what does the word strategic mean when you use it? In that I am using my learnings from experience or my research, if you will, about what works and what doesn't work with purpose. And I'm trying to be really thoughtful about where I spend my time and what I'm doing. So in in design, I can make things beautiful all day long. That's just, that's where my heart is. But I think where it becomes really interesting is when you make it the right thing or you're able to bring an idea to the table that wasn't on the surface because no one was really looking in the right direction. For me, that's a that's a bit of the strategic thinking there of what other angles, what other perspectives can we look at this and what other stories can the data tell us that we get? Okay. So I'm, an, I'm imagining a Venn diagram and in the Venn diagram, there are the words on, in one circle, making things beautiful in brackets all day long. And, and what a gift you have if you're able to do that. Amazing. And then in the other circle is perspective we hadn't considered and probably in brackets based on some kind of research. Is, is that a reasonable infographic, real-time paraphrasing? <laughs> yeah, that's a lovely way to think about it. I think that's... It's exactly- your words. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> we work well together. There you go. There you go. Okay. So as far as designing people, what does that mean? I think I've become really interested in getting closer to how we make really great work or how I make really great work, how we make really great work. And I got into product design because I liked that it wasn't static. I liked that there was an element of psychology to someone needing to use an app or a website or some other digital experience, whether it's in retail or whatever. They need to use it to solve something or to complete a task or to get somewhere. And I liked that I could help them. And I think that that helping part is now what I'm also really interested in. And that's where the, I'm not designing people in that. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist by any means, but I'm really interested in giving people the same experience or a similar experience that I got in those moments where I was really, I felt good. I felt like I was connecting to what I love to do. And so that's a lot of, I design the teams that do the work now. And I look for barriers that will get in the way of what they want to make. And that's most of that are 
communication barriers, their human uh, interpersonal skill barriers. It's, you know, we go to school for the craft. We get a lot of teachings there. Mm -hmm. But what I'm finding is I can be really helpful in the um, more day-to-day human side of the designers that I love to work with. Yeah. So w- when people get good at their craft, I've mentioned this a few times before, and this is, I think it's, I think it's from a book called Talent is Overrated or some other book about brilliant creative people. And it talks about how the better people are at their craft, they tend to have a very simple rubric or a simple set of rules of thumb. It's just that they're excellent at applying those rules of thumb. And so, for example, a designer who is into minimalism or having doing simple design, the question for them, what's the least that needs to be here? 10, 20 years into a career, that's an extremely powerful and specific question that would mean way more to them deeper into their career than when they started. Uh, And so most designers and people who've been around for a while have these kinds of rubrics. Do you have a sense of your rubric when it comes to designing people? Like what are the questions that you keep in your mind throughout the day to help your teams do better work together? Yeah. What's in your way? What's in your way can be a lack of clarity of understanding what a project is or what your priorities are or what's expected of you. What's in your way can be something that is outside of work and that is just occupying a lot of mental space and you need help to work to process that. I think anything, I'm, I'm very aware and in myself too that the connection between the moment I step outside the door and the moment I step inside the work door is not so far. And that personally, I don't want it to be far. I like that I can be myself in both places or I can, you know, bring, bring my creativity in both places. But a lot of times that means that the things we're working on at home are also the same things we're working on at work. Mm. So when you apply that question to yourself, Right now, Jesse White, what's in your way? Great question. It's yours. The, what's in my way right now is that I'm trying to figure out what my vision is for myself. Mm-hmm. A little bit of what we talked about earlier of that transition from designer to creative director, the title is you know, a recognition of my roles and responsibilities, but I think I've always been trying to understand, am I using these skills, these tools, these mental models I have, am I using them enough? Am I pushing myself enough? Am I focusing in the right areas? Am I even looking in the right direction? So I think that's something that I think about a lot mm-hmm. and I feel very fortunate I think I'll always work at a place with people. I love to have those ideas around me and I love to see where other people are pushing themselves. And so that keeps propelling me. But that's the question that's also on my, on my mind is what is in my own way? <laughs> what mm-hmm. am I not seeing? Okay. And then as far as designing pixels and designing people, uh, what, generally speaking, what percentage of your week involves you designing pixels? I can help out a lot in the presentation space. So helping my team get the ideas organized in a story and getting those to the right people. I'm a fairly hands-off creative director in that I won't fix people's design. I won't fix people's work. And it's not that 
I, I very much enjoy being a part of the process and I want to stay deeply connected to the projects that I'm on, but I have always very much appreciated the autonomy that was given to me in my career. And I have no desire to be a bottleneck or control someone else's process. So that's where I really have this idea that my role is a little bit more of like a coach mm-hmm. in the sense that I have a deep understanding of how the game works. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I've gathered my own tools through that, but I have also a knack, if you will, for being able to help other people develop their skills too. And I really enjoy that piece of it. And, and are you saying when you talk about your own vision and what's in your way that it's it's partly to do with identity? You know, am I a designer the way that you would have understood design five years ago, 10 years ago, or am I more about people and where do I personally find fulfillment and are they even really competing with each other or how do I find a way to create days where I'm actually still hands-on or do I want to be even more hands-off? Are these the kinds of questions you're asking yourself right now? Absolutely. Yeah, those are, those are all the questions that run in my head every single day and that's why I like to stay very, very busy. Mm. How, how are you going to work through your answers to these questions? I think it takes time. I try and give myself a little bit of grace of, I know that the thing that has made me so good at my job or the thing that I really love to do is sort through the problems and find an answer and give someone an answer and make them feel good and make them enjoy looking for the next challenge. And so in myself, I I try to have that answer, but it's also life and I can't read the future. I can, the best I can, look at patterns and try and find that. But I think in your personal life, it's a little bit more difficult because you can only look, you can only kind of mark other people for that. And I don't necessarily know that I want to to model where I'm going off of someone else. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's hard not to do that a little bit though, because the, what you're talking about, that little, I'm going to call it, a little conflict that you're experiencing because at the same time, it sounds like you experience fulfillment doing all of these things. It's just trying to work out, are you sacrificing anything or could you be even more of a contributor to yourself, to the company, to the world, if you'd really went in one particular direction. But it's, it's a riddle that I think has affected many creative companies and careers, which is how you take people who are good at doing a thing and then you get them to manage people and they might not have had training in management or interest in management. And that's definitely led to a lot of weird things. And over time, those people might actually yearn for being back on the tools, so to speak. Yet the way that the companies are structured, the status and the titles and potentially even the salaries and the promotions don't incentivize that. So there's, there can be this weird disconnect where doing the work for some, for some, I'm not saying this is you at all, but for, for some companies can seem less important than bossing people around. And at the same time, sometimes people will reach that management role, the management role of other creative people. And they might say, oh, you know what? I actually want to be a full-time artist. Or, you know what? I actually want to run a creative company. I want to be the, I want to be the CEO. And so it, it's interesting to see which directions people take. Yeah, and they're both incredibly valuable. And I do think it's important to talk about it because I have seen people who in specific disciplines who were wonderful at making the work be expected because of their time or their experience to go up to a management level and they do it, but 
they don't necessarily make the mind shift of what the responsibilities are at that point. So they try to continue to do their own job, which is certainly what I did, which is where I struggled. And everyone who around them who needs a different kind of person, which is where the, the manager comes in or the mentor, they don't get that from them. So then it kind of trickles down and cool, you have the title, but your mindset is still the same as it was before. So I really truly believe that there, there's a mental shift that needs to happen or an updated sense of what your value is or what you bring or what your responsibilities are at the time. I think that's really important to be aware of because you need both and you don't have to want the higher role. And you also don't have to want to stay the one being responsible for making whatever you're making. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny because in some way, I think I'm hearing you talk about not needing to or wanting to compare yourself or, or for people who are at your, uh, at your decision or set of decisions now. Like it's, you'd rather not compare with other people and with what's out there, but it's, it's kind of what you do. It's what we all do. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was hearing comparison in what you just said. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think you, I certainly compare myself to other people and that's why I've made this role that I'm in now the right fit for me because I haven't previously, I thought that I needed to be a certain way to be in this role just because of who I had in my career as I was developing, Mm -hmm. but it didn't fit me. It's like trying to wear someone else's shirt. I'm like, why, why doesn't it fit my armpits right? <laughs> or why does it hit my waist at the right point? And so it's fortunate that I was able to kind of work through my own challenges and find the right, kind of the, the right area for me to play in and the most effective area for me to play in. And that was somewhere in between being very, very close to the work because I still very much identify as as a designer and also understanding that, the, that I love all the disciplines so much and I love just the idea as a whole. And that if I can help that move forward, then that satisfies another piece of me. So now I want you to think through all the strategists that you've worked with in your career and also try to recall some of the conflict that's happened between you, your team members and strategists. I'm sure it's happened. And then knowing that there's probably at least three and a half strategists listening to this right now, what have you learned about designers that you think strategists would do really well to understand? I've been fortunate enough to work with strategists whose background started as designers. And I also have been fortunate enough to work at a place where there were no strategists and I had to be the person that did research and looked for insights and brought those to life in the creative work that I was doing. And I've also worked with strategists who are more on the, maybe you can help me with the vocabulary, but they're more on the marketing or they're more about consumer insights than necessarily user experience insights. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it becomes really, the challenges come when you're trying to build a product and you have a strategist who is looking at the wrong, bringing you the wrong kind of insights. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's where I'm like, it's really great to have people that care very much about the, 
this is a weird way to say, it, but like care about the thing you're making and like want want the research that they're doing and the deep understanding of that interest uh, that industry to be more closely connected with what we're making versus having someone who cares about something else try and just apply their same insights to it. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of agencies and a lot of digital agencies need to take responsibility for some of this because I've seen it where they think they want to bring in strategists because it, it, it helps them compete. They want to do better, more effective work. And under that is potentially get access to bigger budgets through thinking and, and through justifying bigger scopes. Uh, and, and I don't mean any cynicism in what I'm saying. And then they'll bring in a strategist or two, maybe never having hired one before. And it could be someone who's never even worked on, for example, a digital product. Uh, this person might have done qualitative research, trend reporting, and a bit of brand strategy. And all of a sudden, they dump that person by themselves on a massive digital product project and don't support them because they're not sure how to interact with them. And it's really confusing for the strategist when they're in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, and it's not fair, to be honest. I think it's... It's a new role for a lot of digital agencies. And I can't, if I, if I knew exactly why it was so difficult <laughs> to nail down the right people for the right jobs, then I would solve it. Mm -hmm. But I think it, it comes to a little bit of this, what do we mean when we say insights mm -hmm. and that we're insight driven? What does that mean? What is an insight and where does our research come from? What data are we looking at? I think like how strategy works and what the deliverables are for that is not known to everybody. And I think if we can, if we can get better at communicating that and people can actually understand that it's not just a bug, buzzword and there's a difference between a strategist and a strategic person, mm -hmm. then we'll set them better up for success. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They can be a little territorial jousting, arm wrestling, leg wrestling over the word strategy, strategist, strategic, because it sounds important. So just going back to the earlier question, could you try to lay out three things that a strategist could do well to understand about designers? Hmm. Which, like, what would you prioritize? What would you say if you had like five minutes with a strategist? You're like, here are the three things that I really want you to know based on my eight and a half years here. <laughs> I would say understand the medium of what we're making and understand the, I guess these, these aren't so specific to designers, but the way that we need to take those insights, the way that we need to take what, what you're making and turn it into the experience itself. I need that communication to be so close. And like, this isn't a one, two, three answer, I suppose. So I'm wondering a little bit, but it would be to stay very close to the design team and understand what questions are there. Stay very, very close to the industry and what new areas there are to push in or what people aren't thinking about or what transformation is needed there. And then look at, look at other places too to pull that in. Because I think a lot of our designers are very strategic and our producers are very strategic in the same way that we say strategists are very creative. Our producers are very creative. Our designers are very creative. So there's a lot of support in what, how we apply strategy, but I think the depth at which you go, that's what you really bring to the table. 
and the different kinds of data that you combine to bring an insight is what you also bring to the table. Okay. So a strategist approaches you. They're working with your team. Maybe they seem a little bit frustrated, but you value them. You think they've got a good brain. You've got some kind of chemistry going on. You take them for a walk and you start a conversation with them by saying, because they've asked you, uh, how do I work here? I'm making this up, by the way. I have no idea if this is even relevant to instrument and it's not a bad instrument at all. But they ask you, like, they're frustrated. They're trying to work out how to understand your team better. And you take them for a walk and you say, look, I've been working in this field, doing design work, being an ECD for X number of years. Here are three things that I think you need to understand about designers. Mm, that's, a, that's a great way to put it. This does happen very often. And it happens always at the beginning part of a project when your new people are working together and you're trying to figure out how to trust each other. And this is a large part of what I do and what I enjoy doing. So I would say that to the strategists that I was walking around the block with and we were sorting through their frustrations, I would say that each designer is different and their strengths are different. And some designers are very strategic and have a very UX-driven mindset. And they think a lot about empathy for the consumer or the people for whom whatever we're making. And then on the other end, there's also designers who are, not that these are mutually exclusive, but that really enjoy the visual aspects and think about the the visual design of it and how to bring that to life. And that at any given point where a strategist and a designer come together in perfect harmony may be different on the scale of UX to design. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, there's a phrase that I picked up. I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have phases of my career where I've worked with brilliant designers. And in one particular place, the crew there, uh, I love their work for 10 years and also, and then was fortunate enough to work with them. And they, they talked about the work that they did, the design work that they did as being art-driven design. And one of the anxieties that some of them had was that by bringing in strategy and then user experience that their art-driven design would get completely compromised. So uh, perhaps that spectrum you're talking about has like that user-focused designer and then on the other end is the phrase art-driven design. Yeah, and I would say that if you feel like the art is being sacrificed, <laughs> then there's a couple things to think about there. I think one is, and I'll, I'll say this from the perspective of being a product designer who makes things for people to use that need to accomplish a task, if you will. If you feel like your own artistic expression is being turned away, I would wonder why. You know, I would think maybe you're not connected enough to what's right for the client you're making it for or what's right for the consumer on the other end that you're making it for. And that's, that's what the strategist is trying to tell you is like, we're off here slightly because you're a little bit too attached to your own personal, your own personal aesthetics or your own personal vision. And you've lost sight of actually what's needed Mm -hmm. to help this client. And we're getting paid for the work we do. So if you want to go be an artist and you don't want limitations, honestly, getting paid for time at a design agency, you're going to run into a lot of challenges. But if you are a wonderful visual designer and you like the challenge of being able to adapt 
your aesthetic skills and your visual skills to make them work for different people in different ways, then you'll find great success. Yeah. It's an interesting conversation to have with someone when you think that they're incredible at design and at art-driven design, yet they seem on a particular project to be designing for themselves because on one hand you want that, but I guess there's some kind of triangle which has the words art, business, and task and it's like no we we want the art that's why we've been hired that's why i'm working with you that's why i love working with you but we do need to serve the business goal and the user task as well they can't it's not that they're fighting with each other they can hopefully work to get somewhere and uh trying to kind of redirect them not as like an utter destruction of everything they've done but agree with them that yeah that's what we want we've got to work out how to fit these other two things in which is you know i'm just kind of paraphrasing what you said anyway can you think of any words or example conversations where you've had that chat with somebody who's just seems a little bit caught up in in their own artistry and i do not mean that in a demeaning way yeah i agree it's it's wonderful to have people who have a confidence in their style and a confidence in their creativity. I talk a lot about this when I interview people because this is the thing that they'll run into immediately as a blocker for them. So pretty early on, this kind of conversation happens. And I, I think it's the difference between design and art. And that as a designer, design doesn't mean that you know Photoshop and you can put some pixels down on a page or you can take a photo, edit it and drop it onto paper or drop it onto Squarespace and call yourself a designer. For me, that's, that's an elementary view of design. Design is being able to take this craft that you have and use it to solve problems for other people or use it to solve problems, period. That's what I try and tell people a lot when they come in is, like I said earlier, you can have one idea, and if that idea gets killed because whatever the client saw it and it wasn't right for them, and you're out of ideas, then that makes you a one-trick pony. You know, that's so not adaptable. That's so not survivable. And so you have to be constantly thinking about, cool, you just, you, it's like a maze, you know, you put up a wall here. Fantastic. That gives me more data to understand what I'm playing with, what, what sandbox I'm playing with. And I'll go dig around for more tools. I'll, I'll go dig around for other ways to creatively express this. And that's actually where I think a great strategist is really, really helpful because they can add a perspective of what else aren't we seeing? What's another way to look at this? How do we take a visual expression or a visual solution and maybe there's a content um, solution behind it as well or maybe there's a way to shuffle the information or who we're talking to to make it more effective so i think it's those layers the more different perspectives you have Mm -hmm. the more nimble and adaptable you'll be to whatever challenges come up along your way Yep, yep. I've seen a lot of frustration with cross-functional teams in not very departmentalized and not very hierarchical agencies where there might be a, a, a youngish designer working with a youngish strategist and they get frustrated with each other because the designer's like, here's what I did. What do you think? Or not even what, do I, what do you think? It's like, here's what I did. And the other the strategist's like, I, I don't know. I don't like it. And you're like, hang on. That's not the conversation to have. I know that when I'm looking at design, if I'm sloppy with 
the interaction, it, it can just be a mess. Like if someone's like, here's what I did, what do you think? I'm like, no, gosh. And if, if I am not disciplined, it's just like, well, here's everything I think. And I, I've seen that with clients and I've seen that in internal groups as well. I know that what I'm looking for is probably three answers to three questions. Here's what I've done and where I'm at in my process. Here's the concept of what we're doing. And here are the key decisions that I've made in the design that you're seeing. I feel like without having that context, it's, it's just like a big shrug, like, what do you think? Or, you know what, I don't really want to know what you think, but I have to have a meeting with you and here's my work. Do you have any other ways to help people have constructive conversations about design? Yeah, so this happens even with, or especially with our clients as well. So it's one thing to be close to the work and understanding the research that went behind it and the visual decisions, but then we also have to take those and communicate that to someone who wasn't in the trenches with us. Mm. And so there's another question. In addition to those, I would say when we go to present other people or when we are communicating back and forth between the strategist and designer that we say, how does this strategy come to life? So in those decisions, it's not about, oh, I chose this typeface or I'm using a photo here. It's really about the bigger story of how the page is structured or how the voice and tone comes to life. I think it's really important to just keep tying it back through the visuals, how those are two are connected. So we don't end up with a lot of, here's one full page of strategy writing or a UX diagram. And then separately, here's a beautiful design and no one can really understand how they connect. I think we have to be constantly thinking about, like you said, why are we doing things and how does this connect to the insight we got? Mm. How does this solve that problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause otherwise the, because people don't often learn how to interact around work. And even if you have learned, you still have to recall your rubric, your questions and have some discipline around it so you can have a constructive conversation. Because otherwise you get feedback like this. I don't like blue. And you're like, hang on, the, what, you're talking about the blue dot at the bottom of the page. That's not even a decision we made. That just happens to be there. And then people are like, oh, you know what? I should have been upfront about here are the three key decisions I've made on this page. This thing's here because of this. This thing's not here because of this. And this other thing we're thinking about putting here because of this. Because uh, otherwise it's like, I don't like blue. And that's going to be really frustrating for the designer and basically for everyone. Yeah, and that, that stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And... I think that's where you need to know where, what battles you want to fight and why you've made the decisions. Because if someone may say, hey, we're not going to use blue because that doesn't fit in our brand guidelines or these new ones that another agency are making, that's not on track anymore. And you can say, okay, great. You said you wanted something expressive and something. There's other ways, there's other colors we can use. There's other ways to look at that. And if you don't understand the bigger picture, then you'll get caught in the, those smaller moments and you'll get frustrated and it'll send you on a whole spiral of self-destruction about your own self-worth as a designer. Mm. <laughs> I think it is at any given point, having the bigger picture in mind is really, really important. Mm. So you are recruiting strategists and you have been on and off for a while. Cool clients, cool projects, cool people, cool city. What kind of strategists do you think work well at instrument? What traits do they have or do they not have? They're very adaptable to an ever-changing industry. 
I think because the technologies change, because our clients are constantly, they're coming to us because they have, they're on like a cusp of a change. They need to grow. They are looking for new processes or new services. So the strategists that work really well here are the ones who come in and want to work alongside people to uncover new ways to do things. I think the strategists who don't work well here are the ones who are used to working in a silo. And this is a pretty common thing that I've heard as they're responsible for coming up with the answer. Mm. And then they hand it off to a designer, the designer executes it, and then so on and so forth. And they Mm. may not have quality control along the ways, and they may not have other voices to help them kind of hone or shape the strategy. So we work very, very closely with each other. And that means that a strategist may present an insight or an idea and someone, a designer, for example, may say, challenge it or ask questions or bring forward another insight. And the strategist who resists new data coming in will find it very, very difficult to build a team around them to get get the right ideas out. But a strategist who's like, oh, that's interesting. Let's look into that. Let me add that on. Let me multiply that idea. Let me bring forward another piece of data to this. Those are the ones that are really requested to work with on teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that that isolated sense of working, sometimes that is built into the person just the way they grew up, the way their brains are. It could have been a way to survive a job or two as well, that it was just crazy. People didn't, like, there were some bizarre company politics and dynamics going on. So they kind of retreated into just doing the work that they needed to do as a way to survive it and stay sane. Uh, and then sometimes it is about what's important and the idea of like, well, that's my work. I mean, I don't sit on the, like, I'm not in Photoshop trying to design a thing. Like this is my work. And if I don't do this work the way I like to do it, then what am I even doing? And will people value it? So there's a, like, there can be a bunch of stuff a bunch of baggage really that can come into play with with strategy folk and I, and I say that hoping that a few designers listen to this so just to try to build a bit of empathy the other way as well last question like how is instrument dealt with bringing in strategy as a discipline where where have been some of the missteps what are some of the things that you've been working on to make it better for strategists as they arrive or as they continue to be there i think it's the usual growing of a discipline and getting clients to understand the value in it because design is easy to understand, development is easy to understand, production is a little bit easier to understand, writing is easier to understand. I think strategy, strategy has been a little bit more getting them in the room with the designers, with myself right from the beginning through the whole project and showing how it can shape us that much faster and how the conversations can change. That has helped us grow the discipline. I think having someone who can mentor strategists, like you said a moment ago, without the right coaching, our human insecurities and the way that we've learned to kind of protect ourselves will come forward in the workplace. Absolutely. And that can happen for a growing discipline very, very easy because they don't have a support structure. So I think I'll say, I don't have a solution for it. We're right in the middle of it, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's having people who don't have this expectation that there's only one way to do it and are very comfortable 
having tools that they can make themselves so they're not just talkers. They're not just wonderful, very charismatic talkers. Mm. They're people who can document their ideas or document um, information in a way that makes it very easy for people to understand and kind of shines a light on a different way to look at something. I think that's, that's how we'll build the discipline here, but it will take time. Yeah. And it takes empathy, like you were saying, from all the disciplines of having the right people who love to do this kind of work and truly like to be in the work and truly like to make things in whatever their medium may be to help multiply ideas and help whatever discipline it is get their thoughts out there and for clients to understand what the opportunities are. Mm. Yeah, and for what it's worth, the ways that I've heard and seen strategy or strategists flail in companies that didn't start with it, which is probably to say most companies, is not having senior advocacy and representation for the established hierarchy, the people at the top of the hierarchy to continue to see themselves as the strategist and not loosening up their grip on it. That could be quite stifling. Uh, some kind of training and mentorship internally, I think is important to your point. And it sounds like part of the role you play is also, I would use the word, the an interface. Like there have to be some people in the company who are going to help translate and interpret and think about how people are feeling about things and how people are using words so that they can work better together. Uh, and then uh, the final thing that can throw this relationship is if there are either aggressive or passive aggressive fights for importance. And that comes through in, converse, in, in comments like this, well, I'm strategic. I don't need a strategist. I'm strategic. I'm creative. And strate- you know, so there's that kind of stuff that can happen in companies that have grown up without strategists. Yeah, I think this can happen with any combo of disciplines. And I have always told myself that it's not my job to turn off people's ideas. It's not my job to put my hands over my ears and say, no, 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 I'm not going to listen to you because you're not a designer or you're not the role that I have deemed important at any given time. My job is to, as a human as a designer is to take in all the information I can and sort through what stories are there that I can move forward. So I think what happens when there's a fight for importance is one people, there's been a model set up inside the company that the person who's the loudest or the person who has the idea or some kind of credit is there that is more superficial. And that can create this need to be seen or this need to like someone to validate my self-worth. But in a healthy place where people understand it's whatever idea is and that we work it and we work with other people because we want to get the best idea and it takes a village to sharpen the idea. And that's the fun part of seeing things from different perspectives and that we can't we can't get there always by ourselves. That becomes really, really exciting. And there's this, there's this book called The Multipliers that I read once that really, it's by Liz Wiseman. And that really shaped my idea of how I saw collaboration working and trying to help people say, hey, it's not just your idea. It's not just your 
thought that made it all work. It's we're here to multiply each other and like get there faster. And that obviously together we're better. That sounds a little woo woo, but that's why we come to work in a place with other humans. And that's the part that starts to feel really good. Mm. Yeah. When a sentence starts with my idea is, it's like, Oh, hang on. Just, could you just pause a second? Uh, Could you say what your idea is without using the word my or mine? Because right. it's going to be it's going to be difficult to wrestle that off you, and at some point it's going to have to get wrestled off you. <laughs> right, and it's it's like we're all expected to perform. We're all expected to bring ideas to the table, and thankfully we don't have to do it alone in a silo, because <laughs> God, that's exhausting. <laughs> so mm. when you like, you have to want new information. And I keep I use the word data a lot because maybe that's a very scientific approach of me, but new information, a new sentence from someone, a new piece of inspiration, a new challenge, someone saying, no, we can't do that. That's all data that goes into my head. And that's the fun part. That's the, sa- the sandbox. That's the play space of, oh, as a designer now with, with these ingredients, what can I make? And as a strategist with these ingredients, what new insights come to life and how can we bounce back and forth in a volleyball style, if you will, with each other to get to something new that someone else wouldn't have thought of. So if people want to find out about Instrument, where can they look? And then where are you personally most active on the internet? You can find Instrument at a pretty easy URL, which is instrument.com. And then myself, I'm most active on Instagram at Jesse F. White, which is my first middle initial and last name. Okay. I want to, I want both of us to give final words to, especially the strategy folks listening. My final words to the strategy folks, and you can think about what you want to say, is personally, I think if you're going to work in an agency that is built around design and engineering, do it because you love those things. And hopefully you love the people who do them. I think having that energy will mean that when you're doing strategy, you're not doing strategy at your own team and kind of knocking them down a peg and trying to think over them and at them and to use your thinking to squash them into a corner. You'll be doing your thinking to help the team get better and, and to magnify them. I think, I think that's as wordy and uh, as long a sentence as that probably was. They're my final words. What are your final words to a strategist who's interested in working in an agency like yours or who is currently working in an agency like yours? I would also echo love the medium you're in, love working with people, but tactically figure out what you can make. Figure out what your tools are to communicate your ideas and maybe that's your wonderful writer and you can construct a deck that tells the story, figure out or, or a brief, if you will, but go deep, be very comfortable spending hours going deep and then being able to lift back up into the sky, into the clouds and look at what you've gathered and create insights from that and then communicate them. You have your your strategy, your insights are only as good as your ability to communicate them and to make them useful to what your end goal or what you're what you're making. Love it. Jesse White from the Utopia of Portland. Thank you so much for joining me on Sweathead today. Thank you.
Best wishes, design and strategy friends. You can do it. We believe in you. Peace.